Milner. Can he tee up someone in red? And he goes towards Lundgren. Welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and I have only one co-host today, Matt Hargrove. Hey everyone, I'm I'm Logan. I'm sorry, I'm not Logan. I'm Matt. <laughs> Logan is out today, out sick. No, he's not out sick. He is uh, just spending some family time right now. So uh, I got Matt to myself today, and we're going Ooh. to break down the weekend matches of the Premier League and look ahead to uh, the next games that are that are coming up here. Uh, no Champions League this week, so we will not really touch too much on those matches. I think maybe just a little brief talk about uh, you know City and Chelsea setting themselves up for the for the second leg. But other than that, I think we're mostly just going to stick to what we got here. Um, so, uh, starting off here, we're just gonna go. We're just gonna go game by game since it's just us two. It's gonna be a little easier to keep track of. Oh, and there's not many plot lines going on right now in the Premier no. League, anyway. So <laughs> we'll just we'll just start game by game, and the plot yeah. lines will kind of surface from there. I think the only plot line is how many points are City gonna win the t- title by? <laughs> uh, answer is too many. Too yeah. many. Uh, but Tuesday, a day after we recorded, there was a Leeds United versus Southampton match where Leeds won 3-0. Southampton kind of been in some struggling form. Uh, we'll talk about their other game that was uh, today, a little later on here. Uh, but you had Patrick Bamford scoring 47 minutes in, then Stuart Dallas, and then Rafinha in the 78th and 84th minute. Uh, so... Nil-nil at halftime, and then Southampton just collapsed in the second half. When we look at stats, though, Southampton had more of the possession, uh, less expected goals. That's new. They put this new. St- they put expected goals on FOTMOB now. I didn't realize that. Uh, Southampton even had more shots, but ultimately, Leeds United is the one that gets to win three-nil. As Southampton kind of falls further and further. They were up pretty high near the beginning of the season, weren't they? Yeah, they were uh, top four at one point. That's what I thought. I mean, uh, Liverpool were winning the league at one point. That's true. And so was Chelsea <laughs> at some point, too. Um, but it, yeah, a huge drop-off for Southampton. As they now sit 14th place on 30 points, and they have not won a game in their last five. Four losses and one draw and a negative 13 goal differential. So they're they're really starting to struggle now. Yeah, they're honestly... I, I could see them getting into somewhat of a... They are in a relegation fight 
in my mind. I, I think they're in a releg. I don't think Burnley and Brighton are in it, but I actually, I with Southampton's injuries, I think they're in a relegation fight with Newcastle and Fulham. They're only seven points above safety right now, so it's uh, that's only three matches. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> Moving on to the second match, though, there's not much really to say except for Leeds, you know, continuing. Uh, they're up to 11th. They only got a negative one goal differential for as many goals as they give up. <laughs> they've <laughs> they've given up the same amount of goals as Southampton, right? And Southampton has a negative 13 goal differential. And uh, Leeds has a negative one because they've scored 43 goals. Um. Moving on, though, to the second matchup, that one was kind of like uh, just a makeup game, I guess, because it didn't really fall in line with any of the weekend, did it? Um, or was it no. a continuation of the weekend? I mean, Leeds played on. I would say it was the Friday. Of- they played on Friday the 19th and then played on Tuesday the 23rd. So, yeah, it was kind of like a another match week, I guess. I'm not really sure. Yeah, things are kind of like. Game wise, it it is, but I'm looking at the table and it's actually as even as it really could be right now. The only issue is seven eight nine is that Villa have to play Tottenham and Everton, and those are the game in hands for all the teams. Yeah, so it's getting a lot easier because of these. You know, like like we even had some midweek games on the same time as Champions League games last week. Yeah, so like they're they're catching up uh, on some Mm -hmm. of these teams here. Uh, Saturday, though, started off with a Manchester City-West Ham battle. Top four teams here. Uh, Ruben Diaz scored 30 minutes in to make it 1-1. Then Mikael Antonio made it 1-1 in the 43rd minute. And then John Stones, uh, who's been on a goal-scoring tear this year, I think, right? <laughs> he's got quite a few. Uh, makes yeah, it 2-1. I think he scored more goals than, I guess, I think him and Diaz have scored more goals than they've given up as a pairing. So he scored three himself. John Stone has given up, uh, scored three. That's pretty good. And Diaz only has like a couple scored one. Yeah. They just don't give up goals. (laughs) No, they don't. And this puts city, you know, first place 62 points. That's 12 points above Manchester United. Uh, it's over. Uh, you know, I was hesitant to call it over when they were like, you, you know, you and Logan were saying like when they were one or three points ahead. I, I, I'm now calling it. <laughs> I'm now officially throwing in the towel. Uh, I I don't think uh, anybody can match City at this point. It's over. No. Uh, nobody even comes close to the defensive record. They've given up 16. The next least is 25 with Chelsea. And then 26 with Villa. That's crazy. So it is, it is crazy. But I will say that they did, they did, they're not going to get the, the Chelsea record under Jose where they gave up like 15. So they, they finally uh, gave up enough goals to preserve that record for Chelsea. So uh, that's probably never going to be matched again. This is the closest it's been for a long time. And City has only got two losses, 19 wins, five draws. They've won so many games in a row in all competitions. I think at one point it was 17, so it's got to be more than that at this time. Man, I don't see it stopping. No, Just... uh, no, this is uh, it's pretty uh, pretty much over here. 
the battle's going to be between second and fifth now, I feel like, for for the top four. I mean, Liverpool's still in it, but I mean, uh, I think, uh, really, people I think are it's... battling for second and fifth. You know, like that that's where they're, that's one of the main storylines is that and the relegation now. Yeah, I was say, I, I honestly think it's going to end up, I think you'll end up getting the, the three Europa League places, though, because I, I don't, I don't see how City lose Carabao or FA Cup either. And I believe that would push spots down to sixth and seventh for Europa, right? It should, because City would qualify through first place. So then they would also qualify through winning both cups. So that should move it down to sixth and seventh. Yeah. I was going to say, City being super dominant is going to actually, it really, in a sense, helps. I know we are Chelsea Liverpool fans. City being dominant is like, quite possibly the best thing for Liverpool and Chelsea right now because <laughs> you just want City to keep winning if you want these teams to make Europe next year. If City wins the Champions League or any of the English teams do, that pushes it down to eight. Does it really? It should because you win by qualify. You can qualify for the Champions League by winning the Champions League. So. That would be crazy. <laughs> that could save that, – that honestly could save teams like Tottenham too. Yeah. <laughs> that could save Jose's job. So that'd be really interesting. Um, well, we'll see. I don't think City's going to win everything. Uh, I, I, they're going to win Carabao, I think, for sure. But uh, FA Cup, who knows? Um, at some point, Pep is probably going to have to rest players in that cup, and he's not going to care about it. Even when he rests players, he's... he's... Yeah, they got such a bench right now. <laughs> Logan's like, Ake never plays. And I'm like... You know how much it would be great to have a $40 million center back that can't even make the bench? <laughs> yeah. Um, I long for that at Liverpool. Uh, I'm right sure now. Ake is very happy he left Bournemouth for City to find himself in a situation that's almost exactly like when he was at Chelsea. Which yeah, is never fine. <laughs> Money talks. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could just sit and ride the bench somewhere. Um, I, I feel like I'd want to play. No, I think oh, he yeah. thought he was going to play. And then uh, he got injured. And then then they signed Diaz. Didn't they sign Diaz later in the window? Yeah, they signed him really late. So yeah, I think so. He was like, Ake was, I, I feel like Ake was the first signing in like England in terms of transfers. I think so too. It was like made official pretty early on there. Um, City yeah. got a lot of their business done early until the Ruben Diaz one. He'd be fighting if he was in Bournemouth he'd be fighting for uh top top uh six yeah yeah with uh every kind of everything kind of up in the air with their manager position too currently uh West Ham put up a good fight here uh I think West Ham deserves top four at this point that they've been better than uh Chelsea yeah. and I, I think West Ham it's been really good. Uh, their expected goals was at 1.93, if we want to get... Technical. Uh, technical, <laughs> with only 37% of the possession. While City had 63% of the possession and 0.4 expected goals. Which, to me, just shows expected goals really doesn't mean anything, right? Because then City came out of that with two goals. Uh, yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's a matter of luck and finishing. You know, it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's what you can do with it, because you watch soccer players miss easy chances and that's like a super high xg and then you watch you know pogba hit like a 30 yarder from 
side footing it and you're like wow that was impressive and you're like well that only really had like two percent chance right right i honestly I, I was actually thinking about this with with west ham i was like and if you were to look at the premier league right now what teams actually deserve to be top four other than city and the only one i could really think of is honestly west ham if we're if we're i think lester uh has a good i mean i know they they uh we'll, we'll talk about their game this weekend as well but you know if you're looking at their points and goal differential and everything and and how well they've been uh they have a better record than west ham so i i feel like yeah but west ham has really shown in big games i yeah. feel like as well that's that's part of the key i would say that's where united are really struggling is their their big game mm-hmm as the season as a whole, that's one of the main plot lines here is that there's just been so many nil-nil draws in all of the big matches. Yeah. But yeah, West Ham probably. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with West Ham, obviously, because who knows if they're prepped for like a stretch run. But mm-hmm. right now, I, based off of what play, teams what teams and what players are on those teams healthy and how they've been playing, I think that's where Leicester falls a little bit because I know we'll get to them we will get to them and I, they have some pretty big injury concerns. Um, it feels like it's Man City, West Ham, and then just a bunch of teams that are like trying their best to, to stay up there. Yeah. And I'll talk a little bit about United when we get there, but um, let's, let's catch up real quick on West Brom Brighton one nil to West Brom. This was a crazy match. Uh <laughs> 11 minutes in, Kyle Bartley <laughs> scores. Uh, we get a 19-minute penalty for Brighton, which is uh, missed by Gross. Um, hits the top uh, woodwork there. And then uh, we get a- another goal scored by Brighton, which was just a mess ref-wise, officially, officiating. Um, did they ever say really what yeah, happened that's... here? Because... yeah. They say uh, well, he, unfortunately, they, they like it's almost like the ref didn't realize he already blew once and then blew again. I don't know. I, yeah, it sounds so. The way I read it, and this is where I don't know if you saw Lewis Dunk's interview after the game, which I thought was he's going to get fined for it, but like I, he makes really good points. Um, it it's so what it seems like based off of you know Twitter threads is that. He blew the whistle, which he has all the right to do. He he doesn't have to wait for anybody. You don't have to wait. There's there's even uh, being a Liverpool fan, there always seems to be a reason to to know something about situations like this. And Lewis Dunk did this exact same thing last year after Allison's red card in the Brighton game, where he did a quick free kick while Adrian was still setting up the goal because they blew the whistle and you know they allowed the goal. It sounds like the ref blew the whistle, told him it was okay, and then noticed the goalie wasn't ready and panicked and blew it again because he didn't feel like he should be letting the free kick without the goalkeeper being ready. And then VAR first had to check if, I guess VAR checked two different things. One, when was the first whistle blown? And then the second was if the second whistle had blown and the ball didn't go in, wasn't fully in the net or past the line, then it was a dead ball. And then they got to pick what they did with it. Did they allow the free kick? Did they allow a drop ball? Apparently, those are all the options. So, and technically, this wasn't a VAR issue. VAR called the game as it's supposed to be. It sounds like this was just a ref being incompetent and panicking in the situation, um, which apparently Lee Mason is 
known for, I guess. I, I guess the Wolves coach got fined earlier this season saying Lee Mason is not good enough for the top level. Like he panics. He, you know, he lets the players kind of, he, he almost is like over influenced and he doesn't dictate the game well enough and control it. And that got him fined. And then funny enough, this happened. And then he wasn't allowed. He had an injury for the Liverpool Sheffield game where he was supposed to be the fourth, uh, fourth ref. So that's what it sounds like. It was, it was the ref just noticing he made a mistake, I guess, in his mind. And then he blew the whistle and it, unfortunately it was a goal. I think if it wasn't a goal, nobody would care at this point, but because it was a goal, it's a big deal. Yeah. And I'm just reading Dale Johnson's thread on it here where, you know, this is Lee Mason who, who made the call. Um, and like you said, it looks like he didn't realize he didn't check the refs, uh, the keeper's position. So when the keeper is then moving back to the ball, he realizes, and then, blows the whistle again before the ball crosses the line. So not only did he have the error of not checking the keeper, he also then just immediately originally said no goal and then just bends to the pressure of the players and allows the goal. And then VAR has to check it. And it looks like, like you said, VAR is only checking as Dale Johnson says. And as you alluded to, if the whistle was blown before the ball crossed the line, if that's the case, then there's no, way a goal could have ever happened and then it's up to lee mason to choose how to restart and in this case he gave them the free kick again he could have done a drop ball he could have done uh, anything um so it's just poor poor referee and and this is something that the premier league has issues with that i feel like a lot of other leagues in europe doesn't for whatever reason these refs seem to really buckle under some of the pressure or at least that's what it seems like from what we're seeing again we don't have any of this communication and that's part of what i'm going to continue banging on the drum about here is that we need some sort of communication whether it's him talking to the whole stadium or we're hearing him talk to var uh we need something like that and i know fifa has had problems with people using that but it would make it just seem a lot easier especially when it comes to what luke shaw says later on uh in, in that thing um, yeah, no, I'm intrigued because I, I didn't get to see any of that game except for highlights. I want to know what your opinion is on the big. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Leeds United then loses to Aston Villa. To me, this is not a big shock. Um, oh, before uh, we totally missed talking about Danny Welbeck missing another penalty. <laughs> uh, so that was two missed penalties for Brighton, both of them hitting the woodwork. Um, we yeah, had a four XG. Or something like that. 2.95 is what FOTMOB has. I don't know. Oh, okay. yeah, I don't know who like, actually yeah. puts out the real stats, but 70% possession for Brighton. 15 shots. You know, I was watching. Do you think if do you think if they had the same exact team, but give them a guy like Jamie Vardy, would they be in a, a battle for Europa at least? Just somebody uh, they would at least they would at least be up near Leeds and Arsenal. <laughs> like, isn't that crazy though like that's yeah. all they need to be somewhat of a european contender is one person who can put away a goal yeah somebody that can step up and take a penalty somebody that can just put the ball in the back of net when they're getting these million chances in the box that they kept getting throughout the match uh definitely frustrating for logan's second team here <laughs> he's got a pretty good first one though so yeah that's true <laughs> uh 
yeah, he's he's able to experience a roller coaster with the way uh, both of those teams are playing right now. Um, five minutes in for Aston Villa, El Ghazi scores, assisted by Ali Watkins, to make it 1-0. And that's how the match finished. Leeds had 69% of the possession. Uh, the expected Jeez. goals were really low. 0.86 for Leeds and 0.7 for Aston Villa. Um, that's really it. Uh, I mean, there were some shots. There's 13 shots for Leeds, 9 for Aston Villa. But uh, just a lot of, you know, Leeds is going to have a lot of the possession, but if they can't put the ball away, then they're in trouble. And usually they would put way more away. But, you know, Villa's near the top for a reason here. They they can they can handle some business every every so often. I mean, they've only given up 26 goals. That, Like I said before, that's like the third best in the Premier League. So they have a good defense, yeah. so not too surprising they didn't give up anything against Leeds. It'll be interesting to see how they continue with uh, if Grealish is out uh, for an extended amount of time. Yeah, did they say anything about that? I don't know if it's... I don't trust injuries in soccer because I feel that's like... That's true. We can't really ever say <laughs> Um, I, so I haven't really heard anything, but um, it will be interesting to see how they get on without him because I, he makes that team tick. And so if they, they have a great goalkeeper. I think Martina, Martinez is probably one of the best ones mm-hmm. in, the, in the Premier League, which is going to be a huge, huge help for them. But if Grealish is out too long, I don't think they can sustain a top six. Right. Um, just because... As much as our teams have struggled, I, Chelsea and Liverpool still seem like teams that could go on a run if things go well. And I, I could see Villa struggling if they'd lose one star player compared to other teams losing a couple of players. Yeah, definitely. They got, uh, you know, th- this is a good season for them anyway. I, I know that, like, they started off really hot, so, like, their fans might get a little disappointed. But they were very close to relegation last year. They were a blown call away. From allegation, yeah. so to be ninth right now above Arsenal is uh, pretty good. We'll see how that continues to shake out. But um, moving on to Newcastle versus Wolves, we had a 52nd minute goal by Jamal Lascelles, uh and Ruben Neves to make it one-one in the 73rd minute. Uh, pretty even match uh, when it looks at possession. 48 to Newcastle, 52 to Wolves. Both of these teams probably really needed a win. Wolves is down to 12th now, but Newcastle desperately needs to start yeah. picking up some wins. They're only three points above Fulham. Uh, it's definitely more of a it's definitely more of a game Newcastle needed. I think Wolves are Wolves are pretty safe. They, they're they're strong defensive defensively enough that I. I think with every injury-wise, it's gone for them. I think they have to just use this as a year to just make sure they don't get relegated and then come right. back next year. But I, and I don't think they're in danger, really, of, of relegation at this point, being 11 points above Fulham and how crazy the season is. I, I know they could drop quickly, but they could also throw out there and get a few nice results, even against better teams. They lucked out, though. And I'll tell you why they lucked out. Because Crystal Palace versus Fulham here ended nil-nil. This was a chance for Fulham to really uh, get level with them on, uh, or get uh, within one point of Newcastle, uh, which really would have started putting the pressure on 
uh, Newcastle even more than it is. But uh, it ended nil nil with uh, oh, I just read this expected goal. So sixty percent for Fulham, forty percent for Palace. 1.35 for Fulham expected goals and 0.13 for Crystal Palace. God, just looking at the stats shots. too. Three shots and yeah, they... oh my, oh man, yeah they no shots on target and only one shot off of target. So where did the other two shots go? <laughs> blocked. I feel like I, I feel blocked. like being okay. a, a Fulham fan has to be frustrating right now because. They actually have a really good defensive record. They've given up less goals than Liverpool, less goals than Everton, you know, less goals than Leeds, less goals than Wolves. Like they, they have a defensive record of a team that should not be in relegation. Right. They need but to the, start scoring. <laughs> and they actually have like a solid team. That, you know, I would put their team above a Newcastle or honestly above Burnley, and we're definitely above Southampton right now. I think Southampton have uh, are struggling really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got Josh Adja up top, Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the midfield. Uh, you have... Uh... It's it's going to be the start of their season that, that hurts them the most because I don't feel like they they started the year pretty rough and it I feel like they put themselves in such a hole and they just can't get wins against these teams that they need to get wins against. Yeah, they went on a good run recently where they were able to kind of... Um... You know, they're able to start digging themselves out to the point where they're only three points within, but they really needed that because Newcastle has like West Brom next and Fulham has Tottenham next. So it's going to be, uh, it's a little bit of a mix match there when they could have been able to, you know, get within one point yeah. here. Yeah, they're just, I mean, even looking at their schedule, like they, they don't lose games by a lot. You know, they lost to Everton by one. They lost to West Ham by one. Mm-hmm. They actually held City only to two goals, but they, they draw against Brighton. They drew against Newcastle. They drew against Southampton. They drew against Tottenham. They lose by one to Chelsea, lose by one to United. Then they draw Brighton again. Then they draw West Brom again. You know, then they lose to New- Leicester, but then they draw West Ham. And then they actually beat Fulham, or not Fulham, they beat Everton. But then they drew to Burnley, and then, but then they beat Sheffield. But then they drew. They they have such a oh man, their schedule too. March is not kind to them. Yeah, Newcastle needs to take advantage of that to uh, Fulham's tough road ahead here. For sure. Oh man, Fulham might have one of the toughest. I personally don't think they have a game that they would, if you were to say favored in, maybe until May eighth right now when they face Burnley at home. Mm. They face <laughs> Tottenham. It goes Tottenham, Liverpool, City, Leeds, Aston Villa, Wolves, Arsenal, Chelsea, and then they get Burn- then they get Burnley and Southampton. But then they get United, and then they get Newcastle to end the season, which is really good scheduling. I wonder if they knew. <laughs> that would be really interesting if that's what it comes down to. Um, let's move on to Leicester Arsenal. So this was a Sunday Sunday morning match here uh six minutes in lester took the lead Taylorman scored make it one nil then it was all arsenal you get the chelsea special david louise <laughs> assisted by william in the 39th minute you get uh, uh lacazette penalty in the 45th plus two minutes uh right before half so they took the lead right at uh, right before half here and then you have uh pepe scoring in the 52nd minute to make it three one 
And yeah, they just turned it on here. They had 56% of the possession, 2.38 expected goals to 0.37 of Leicester's. 12 shots uh, to Leicester's eight. Four shots on target. Um, So just a a, a good match for Arsenal, uh, who didn't look great in the first few minutes to be able to turn it on and get three points. And a blow to Mm -hmm. Leicester here to take... They could have went second, uh, you know, with the way United played. Yeah, they're they might be in some trouble here with with James Madison. It sounds like they don't really know when he's coming back if he's going to come back. Um, apparently, Harvey Barnes also had a knee issue that if it requires surgery, he's out for the season. Johnny Evans apparently went off with a calf issue. They they are running into some injury problems. Um, even their bench, really, when you look at it, they, they're bordering on Liverpool injury territory. Um, I think between that and just for some reason Rogers' inability to finish seasons, you they have to have it in the back of their head. Is this happening again? And are we gonna, you know, drop out of it? I, I do think right now if if those players don't play much at all the rest of the season, maybe come back toward the end. I, I don't see Lester staying in the top four. I think it's tough. It's just gonna be tough for them with those guys out. It'll be tough. I, I think they have a better shot than than some of the teams. I, I'm still not very high on Chelsea, as we'll get to in just uh, after we get out of this Tottenham match here. Um, Gareth Bale, man, uh, two goals and an assist in this match where they beat Burnley four nil. Two, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> two minutes in, he scores to make it one nil, assisted by Son. Then you have Harry Kane assisted by Bale, then Lucas Mora, and then you have Gareth Bale assisted by Son again. This was good for Tottenham in the fact of it looks like Bale was serious. He scored. He did this against somebody that wasn't a fifth-tier FA Cup opponent. You know, like, he's actually playing Premier League games now, and I don't know if that was a Bale issue or a Jose issue. You know, Jose was benching Deli Alley too, you know? So it's weird. I, I never really know what's going on there. Um. But well, it's interesting. Did you see good Bale scoring Jose and assisting say? to take it off yeah. of Son and Kane too? You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and Jose came out. I don't know if it was post game, but he said no one's benching. No one would be benching a healthy Gareth Bale, and then kind of confused me because I'm like, so does that just mean he's been hurt all season, and we just don't hear about it? Yeah, they're or... hurt or out of form, I guess, like out of shape, out of fitness. Yeah, but it's... he can't be that out of shape. <laughs> no, but he, I mean he. he played really well he seems to always do stuff too when he plays whether even though it is sometimes against you know a, a team that it, i only remember where wolfsburger was from i remember reading it when they played and he was playing really well and you know burnley is not a top team in the premier league not a top 10 team he played really well so it, it, it's nice to see because he is super talented but there must be something we don't know because I don't understand why he wouldn't play if that's what he does every time he plays. Well, Madrid really messed him up because, I mean, he would do the same type of thing at Madrid, I feel like, where like he wouldn't play, right, uh, because they got a million other players. Then they'd bring him on, he would do something good, and the fans still hate him. And it was like, I, I don't know yeah. what else to tell you, man. <laughs> you know, like, uh, he must have something about him that just frustrates coaches or I don't even know I guess I, I've never had a chance yeah, to I don't know. Them, 
not a Tottenham fan and not a Real Madrid fan. I've never had a reason to root for the guy, really. Um, but there must be something we don't know because he seems to play really, really well when he does play. And Tottenham need that, especially with how many games they have coming up. With yes. The, their, you know, I, I was going to say it about Leicester. Leicester, the best thing for Leicester might have been getting knocked out of Europa by that Slavia Praha or uh, the, that team they faced. Yeah. Because they have so many injuries and they might not be ready for that stretch. But, you know, Tottenham have, I think Tottenham must be having games like twice a week at this point. And they're going to need players like Bale if they want to stay in that top seven race. Yeah, and it, and it's good if he can be somebody that's scoring on days that Son and Kane are not scoring. You know, that's what mm-hmm. they need. Uh, because as we've mentioned a few times on this show, uh, if it's not Kane or Son scoring, nobody else is scoring. <laughs> so it is good to see him and Lucas Mora both get on the score sheet a little bit more. Here. Yeah. Um, Chelsea versus Manchester United. Uh, my Did you dad, expect anything else? My dad <laughs> went to a uh, uh, like a, a restaurant to watch the game with with some of his friends, and uh, one of them was a Chelsea fan. Uh, and I was just like, "Man, what a brutal game to go <laughs> watch!" <laughs> this was awful. This was a really bad game. Uh, neither team really looked like they were interested in scoring, and uh, I did expect more in the sense of United in 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 the sense of. This reminded me of a Jose United team. This didn't remind me of a Solskjaer uh, United team. Uh, Chelsea did have more possession, 57 to 43. They had uh, 1.12 expected goals to United's 0.40. 18 shots to United's 11. And let me tell you, it did not feel like 18 shots. Some of these had to be really weak shots or something. Um, Really? Yeah, because, I mean, it didn't feel like any team was close, to be honest. Uh, There was some chances here and there, but ultimately nothing that you're like, oh, we could have won the game. The the big talking point for United fans is the handball by Hudson-Odoi, which technically is a handball. Um, Yeah, um, what was the – were you – like, because I I, I was out during the game, and I I saw highlights, but what was the – I guess what was the basis around – it looked like a handball to me. Yeah, I, it was hard to tell because like it almost lines up with um, with Martial. I think it was his arm as well. Yeah. Uh, but from angles, you can clearly tell it hits Hudson Adoy's hand. Um, they even check it and still say no handball and do a drop ball instead. Uh, Dale Johnson puts on here that he, uh, according to what. Atwell decided the 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 ref that's on yeah. the pitch, not the VAR, uh, that Hudson Odoi did not move his arm towards the ball and that it was in an expected position. Okay. Hmm. And not not just I'm not saying this just because I am a Chelsea fan here. Yeah. This is something I I'm totally like. It, again, I, I can see why Atwell will say this because he's. Um, his hands were already kind of in that position before the ball even and and the ball's kind of up in the air coming over to them it's a very weird situation but I'm fine with it not being called I'd be fine if if it wasn't called even if it was uh, hitting a United player instead of a Chelsea player 
Yeah. There's got to be some sort of line at times, and there's no real advantage even gained here, right? Uh, at all. Um, it's not like he purposely hits it out this way. If it just falls lower, it's just going to hit both of their feet. They're not even going towards the goal at this point. And I know that that's not even all at the wall, but I think that's what the wall should really start looking into is making sure that this stuff is, there's gotta be some sort of advantage. Uh, I think that for it to the be handball. Creates. handball. Yeah. yeah. Or else why, you know, I get that the game is called football and that you're not supposed to use your hand, but it wasn't purposeful. There's gotta be some of this kind of stuff. I feel like in the handball law, uh, it, and they keep changing this law every few years because they can never get it right, right? Uh, there's always yeah. going to be somebody that complains, you know, because how are you going to be able to tell their intent? How are you going to be able to tell this? How are you going to be able to tell that? So it, any other game, any other ref, this is probably called. But uh, other than that, Bruno, Bruno Fernandez was not uh, seen That's at all. Funny. So he would have <laughs> went up there to take the penalty. Uh, but other than that, he was kind of silent. So. That seems to be a common situation with him in big games. Yes. Um, but, yeah, that, that was that was pretty much it. Uh, Dale Johnson thinks it's definitely a penalty. A lot of people think it is just by the rule of the law. Uh, it, it's just the reason why I can see why Atwell would say no is because Hudson Adoy's hand is up because he is jockeying with the United player shoulder yeah. to shoulder. So I feel like it's a natural position. Um, and then that, you know, he wasn't intending to do it. But again, each ref is going to interpret this differently. And uh, the VAR said, hey, check it out. And he went over and saw it. And he was like, no, nah, I'm still good with my decision. And that's perfectly fine with me. Now, Luke Shaw was complaining because he thought. And, and th- let me just tell you, this is the stupidest thing ever. So Luke <laughs> Shaw says that he heard the ref say that he couldn't give it, right? He yeah. couldn't give it. And he's and Shaw is reading that as there's being some sort of conspiracy, right? That he can't give a penalty United. The team that gets all the penalties in the world is now all of a sudden cannot get a penalty. That's the stupidest thing in the world. Uh, United is the one team that would benefit from this. Yeah. So I don't want to hear that, Luke Shaw. <laughs> and he's lucky he didn't get fined uh, or suspended. I don't think they did either of those. No. So he's very lucky there. Yeah, I I saw it. Like it, it I was ha- I personally was happy that finally something didn't deal with Liverpool because it always seems to go against them. Um, I don't know why, but it just does. But I could see both ways. I you know I the first time I saw it, I did feel like I was like that just seems like a handball. But also I it wasn't like Indeedy's handball where if you saw that one, the dude was like arm outstretched like all he could like that was a bad one that was right that was pure handball like there's no argument there i could see where there's you know he wasn't he's not sitting there trying to knock it with his hand and his hand's not exactly doing anything that's going to cause an issue um i i did read a lot of people say that uh adoy should have been carded at least for standing so close to the 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 bar which i was like yeah it makes sense like they probably could have made it look but luke shaw saying like oh they have an agenda now against us and literally like um united fans are blaming freaking jurgen klopp for some of this because like jurgen and jose or we're always talking about or maybe it was lampard we're always talking about united's penalties and they're like yeah oh now that now they're actually not giving us penalties and it's like it's not 
it's it's you guys are now just it, it's almost like you guys are now being treated like the rest of the league is you know <laughs> don't, don't the whole time special. i've been watching soccer uh and the Premier League, United have gotten these breaks. So I don't really want to hear it. How many yeah. times they get extra time in stoppage time, uh, which they always dubbed Fergie time. That should really tell you something there, right? Uh, that people yeah. named it after United's manager because they'd get extra time and they would always score late in those goals or get a penalty called late. Really bullcrap stuff. So, uh I'm fine with it not being a penalty. I'm fine if it was a penalty. It's a whatever. It, to me, it's I, like you said. I can see both sides. I, I couldn't complain if they called it, but I'm also, you know, like we said, he's kind of going shoulder to shoulder there. For me, it's not really a. Uh, uh, just, I, I can see where Atwell would say that. That's I can see why he's not giving it. Maybe United are just getting really mad that they keep not showing up for these big games. This maybe. This is like this is constant for them now, you know. They're not. I don't know what it is. I somebody said that. I read somewhere it might have been Paul Scholes. Uh, maybe is that how you, I think that's how you say his last name. I really never learned how to say his last name, but they, they were saying that in these big games, it's, it's like uh, uh, Solskjaer just doesn't attack. He doesn't. He just kind of plays super defensive because he's worried after that Tottenham game where they lost 6-1, to one, that he's going to get, you know, ripped to shreds again. And it's like, you, this type of season, it works. Because right now, these big teams just need to kind of sit there and get draws. But I don't think this way of playing in a normal year would be keeping them where they're at. So they're just kind of lucky right now. Yeah, and I alluded to what I was going to say about United here. Originally, I thought they would be somebody that could fall down out of the top four now i'm not so sure they do have 50 points when i'm looking at it and to get out of the top four uh that's six point difference there with chelsea with 44 i don't know i i I think west ham has a better chance of falling out of there than united at this point as much as i would love a leicester west ham chelsea city top four uh (laughs) i do think united's gonna finish up there and it's uh frustrating yeah Kind of over it. <laughs> I, I think I think United and City are the two that I would say are probably top four. Well, City obviously, but United's good chance. I, I do. I could see any combination down to like Tottenham or even Villa right now getting top four, um, with Leicester and West Ham being knocked out. I think any of the teams below them up down until Villa could be could be top four for this year. I mean, yeah, Villa wins their two games in hand. They move up to 45 points, which would put them with West Ham up in the top four so <laughs> or above Chelsea. So it's it's possible. Um, Chelsea, uh, l- let me just talk the Pulisic stuff, I guess, here, because people were upset he didn't start again. I, I do wonder why not in the sense of I keep seeing uh, – you know, anytime Tuchel's asked about it, he's like, yeah, it was unfair for Pulisic not to start. Okay. He's the one deciding. You're the one deciding. <laughs> and uh, the attack has been doing nothing, right? So you got to rotate some of these people in a little better, I think. Like, 
how many times has Timo Werner started when he's not even he's scored like one goal in his last a million appearances that you know it's uh and again I'm of course I'm a little biased here because I'm a U.S. men's national team fan as well but uh I just know the one day like what last weekend or whatever Pulisic comes in for like the last five minutes of the match or whatever or maybe that was the Champions League game it was like really late like he came in super late and then people say well he didn't play well it's like he didn't have time to even find the game you know he came in in the 85th minute this time he comes in the 65th and i thought he looked he wasn't great he wasn't terrible uh he tried to make some things happen he was making some good runs and the players would instead pass it backwards again which is how it always was under lampard too where we just start passing it back to the center backs or back to the midfield and whip the ball in and we'd be whipping it in without Giroud in. And it's just like, I don't understand what the thing is. I know like one time Pulisic's in the middle of the box and they're whipping it in. I'm like, he's not going to be able to reach that. <laughs> but uh, something's got to change up a bit here. Um, it's still hard to grade Tuchel. The team obviously has looked better at times, but Lampard did not beat a top eight team. Tuchel still has beat a top eight team because we haven't really played one until United. And even then, it was just a draw. Um, so I guess a little improvement there, but just kind of kind of getting frustrated with, you know, I could see when he first came in, you know, he had played like seven matches in a row for Lampard, so maybe you rest him a bit. And he was kind of out of form as well, too, but the whole team's out of form right now, literally except for Olivier Giroud. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, um, I don't know. It, it is bizarre that the person that broke him into the Dortmund team is not even really playing him much here, or at least giving him a start. He still has not started a Premier League match under Tuchel. Um, and I, it, it just gets old hearing the same line from him about how it's unfair, uh, I guess because there's so many players he can choose from, but really none of those players are cutting it either, so... Just just start him a game, and then if he doesn't do well, then you can point to it and say, well, there you go. I started him. Nothing happened. I mean, that's what you're pretty much doing with Werner, Zayek, and all those players as it is right now. So, Moving on. Liverpool beat Sheffield yesterday, 2-0. Curtis Jones scored Woo! in the 48th minute, and then a keen Brian own goal 64 minutes in. This was created by uh, Firmino. Who I thought held on to the ball way. Too, I thought he took way too many touches yeah, before it went in. <laughs> that whole time I was like, "Just get rid of it, shoot it," and then he did. And I was like, "No, oh, you did it too late," and it bounced off the defender and into the goal. I was like, I turned to my dad. I was like, "He was so lucky. He took so many touches there." Yeah, you know, Liverpool back on the winning streak. Woo! Yeah, one game winning streak. There you go. I know. That was that was great. Uh, to be to be fair, I, they needed this. I feel like. Not to like play a, a specific, you know, role in, in how I feel Liverpool's season has gone, but I feel like they've had so many things happen recently, even personal things that's like sometimes I kind of want to go like, is there going to be anything good that happens for these guys at some point? Because it's been, you know, between poor play and just you know things happening in their personal lives, I'm like, come on, they deserve at least a win at some point. Matt, know? they all made a deal. <laughs> with some sort of magician or wizard. It was a monkey's paw situation where they win the Champions League and Premier League, and then 
the rest of their lives are just miserable. Yeah, it's, I, <laughs> it's such a it, it was a weird game to watch because even they're they definitely did something different. And uh, some people have actually made note of the formation they played. And I, I don't think it's going to happen again in their game against Chelsea because I think Chelsea are more open. But they did play a lot more people forward. They did have uh, Curtis Jones, especially they, they played him. He actually when they did the average position. The person with the highest average position up on the pitch was Curtis Jones. He had a higher over Mane, wow. Firmino, and Salah. Um, but you could tell when you were watching that it, it actually did feel a little different. You know, they were actually looking like they might score a goal, which, I, to be honest with you, in the games recently, they don't look like they're – even when they get shots off, I'm like, that's not going to go in. But there was a few instances where I was like, I feel like a goal is kind of coming here. And, it, and they did say that they were playing more like 3-2-5, 2-3-5, in possession of the ball, which is a lot different. It's, it's not something Klopp has done, apparently, in, since his Dortmund days. Um, so it, kind of interested to see if that continues. But I don't know. The win didn't, didn't change my opinion on the season. I, I think right now, play as hard as you can. These players, I think there's going to be some changes in the team so that they can play 12 more games in the league together and, and try to cement what their legacy was to you know the last four or five years and try to finish out as well as they can um i don't personally think they're top four but i, I do think they're top seven which like i said i think gets you into europe europa next year because the city are just going to dominate everything um but i'm also excited because hopefully against chelsea you'll see fabinho back you'll see jota back and maybe keita will play a little bit more um so it there's still some excitement in the games to watch it's just i think you could tell that there's going to be some ref- uh, somewhat of a refresh. So it's going to be interesting what Liverpool look like next year. Yeah, there's definitely some hyperbole online. You know, I've seen like United fans calling him Jurgen Flop. And I'm like, you do know he just won the Premier League and Champions League like the last two years, right? <laughs> I think it, as much as people don't want to talk about, I, I, I don't like injuries as in shoes. I really don't because, you know, everyone does deal with them. It is pretty shocking when you do start to look into the details of how many players miss games and mm-hmm. and it not only that but you know when Jota was they didn't even announce that until you know the the lineups came out that he had a uh, an illness um, it doesn't sound like it's appendicitis which is great but Jota and Keita now after extended lengths off were supposed to be back in the team and then got sick like right before so it's right it just seems like it it almost feels like a joke. You know, it's like, what else are you going to throw at them? <laughs> but what know, I want to say too here is that there's some hyperbole and sensationalism that the British media, I feel like always has sensationalism. Uh, I think is what I was trying to say. Um, in the sense of when a big club is failing, right? Because look, mm-hmm. even after all Liverpool's injuries, even after their awful run of form recently, they're yeah. one point behind Chelsea, who everybody was like, oh, Thomas Tuchel's turned this around. They're playing so well. And it's like, just, you know, they're only a point off, and then they play each other next, and they could actually go back above Chelsea now. You know, like, yeah. uh, so it, it's like everybody's just trying to, um, well, I, I get it, right? Failure. We do a podcast, so we want something to talk about, but they do, like, live TV, and they're like, well, we got to find something to talk about. It's It's, it's like they thrive off of, off of failure they want yeah they want to see 
the British mentality. They want to see the, I feel like it's like all sports mentality. Sometimes I don't hate a team until they start becoming really good. And then I'm like, I hate them. And I don't even know why. I never hated them before. But like, I didn't hate the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL until they went to back-to-back Super Bowls. And then I was like, can we stop talking about Russell Wilson? Like it, like I think it's I think it's a sports mentality that you don't want to see teams dominate for too long, and we don't really see that in the U.S. because it feels like most sports, to an extent, because of salary cap, it's it's hard for teams to stay top of their game for more than a few years before they have to start making changes. But soccer is different because you know Bayern can buy the best player off of the second best team in German in Germany. You know, they're buying the best center back on Leipzig. That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> like yeah. that, how in the world can you do like that's that's if the Kansas City Chiefs were to like go out and and sign the best defensive lineman and the best another best wide receiver. Like that I think when teams get to the top, like it I personally like it it's almost been it's weird because I've actually never really been the fan of a team of that, you know, the hated team because my teams have relatively been pretty bad most of my life. So, you know, the Phillies had a great stretch for five years, but people almost felt like that was going to fall off at some point. So they never like in the realm of it all, they were never really hated by people other than, you know, their teams in their division. So to see like Liverpool and all these people, talking about you know the end of Klopp and you know this is the Dortmund last year all over again I I understand the parallels they're making because you always want a story but it it really does start to feel like a lot of this just and you end up not laughing but you just kind of go of course that happened you know like of course Fabinho got hurt after the city game of course um, Henderson got hurt playing a position he's not supposed to play like he never played before last year you know it's it just gets to a point where you're like, this season, just get through it, get some new faces in, refresh. And I do think they'll be fighting again with the top of the league. And then people will probably go, oh, like Klopp was, it was just a bad year for Klopp, you know? And that will be the big storyline, I, I guarantee you, in the summer will be, can Klopp bring Liverpool back to previous glory if they, you know, finish the right, year? Yeah, just all need the narrative. Yeah, um, so... It's... As as Green Goblin says in the first Spider-Man movie, the one thing they love more than a hero is to see a hero fail. <laughs> I know I've never seen The Dark Knight, but I believe the the line is "Some men want to watch the world burn." I think. Yeah, yeah. I always, I always we use that line a lot when we. Work you should watch it. You should watch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not, to, not to become a comic book podcast, but uh, which I have one, but it it's a good movie. Um, God, I've actually never seen any of the Batman movies. I've never watched a never watched a Batman movie. Oh man, you have to watch a Batman movie. <laughs> uh, they're on uh, some of them are on HBO Max, I think. I'm not yeah. sure. That's your homework yeah. for the, the week before we record again. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um. Moving on here, that that uh, that puts Liverpool at six uh, in the table here. Um, Give me Europa League. They've never won that league. They've never won that. That's a trophy they never won. There you go. Yeah, that's why I was I was perfectly happy with uh, Chelsea winning that uh, the year they did. I was like, hey, we haven't won that. It was like the year after the, uh, the Champions League too, and then we won another one later. But um, Everton today. Won one nil over Southampton as Southampton continued their struggling form. Everton 
scoring nine minutes in through Richarlison, 1-0. Uh, Southampton had more of the possession uh, at the end of the game with 53% to Everton's 47, if you couldn't do the math there. 1.17 expected goals for Everton, so that was just about right. <laughs> and 0.4 for Southampton. Uh, that was really it. Um, Everton, I think, scored another one, didn't they? And then they had it was one caught, caught off. off for, yeah, right, yeah, they were offsides. Yeah, because I looked up, I was working, I looked up and saw the saw it two nil, and then I looked up a few minutes later, saw one nil. I was like, oh, I totally missed what happened there then. <laughs> but <laughs> I did see the first goal. Um, yeah, so you know, Everton's level on points are they with you? Uh, with yeah, with they're level. Yeah, with, with a game in hand, lower goal differential. Yeah, um, lower goal differential. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. They have uh, West Brom next, it says here. But I thought somebody else did, too. Newcastle yeah, There's 100% chance two teams have new West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that go ahead. And uh, that's most of the storylines here. So let's just look ahead at the next few games. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we have at 3 p.m. Manchester City versus Wolves. Uh, Manchester City is going to win that match. Uh, no problem. Not even yep. having to take any predictions here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wednesday, March 3rd, we have Burnley versus Leicester at 1 o'clock, Sheffield United versus Villa at 1 o'clock, and Palace versus Manchester United at 3.15. Thursday. All, those are pretty good games. I actually could see any of those teams winning just based off of how the teams play. Maybe not yeah, Sheffield. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think Palace can either, the way that they've been on form. I guess they seem to have me, you know, they seem to play. They have a really roller coaster season. Yeah. West Brom versus Everton at one o'clock on Thursday. That's going to be exhausting to be Everton playing on Monday and then Thursday. And then on the weekend too, I would have to. Yeah, I think so. Then Fulham and Tottenham at one o'clock and Liverpool and Chelsea on Thursday at three 15. Very much expecting a nil nil draw. Uh, Saturday here we have uh, we'll just go because I don't think we're recording Friday so then Saturday we have Burnley versus Arsenal at 7.30 Sheffield versus Southampton at 10 o'clock Aston Villa versus Wolves at 12.30 Brighton versus Leicester at 3 o'clock on Sunday we have West Brom versus Newcastle at 7am Liverpool versus Fulham at 9am Man City versus Man United at 11.30. Big Oof. Manchester derby there. Spurs versus Palace at 2.15. Then Monday, we have Chelsea versus Everton. So there you go. Everton play Monday, Thursday, Monday. Um, West Ham versus Leeds at 3 o'clock. So we only got like two months left of the season, right? It's- there's only Not 12 games. Yeah, there's only yeah. 12 games left. Mosala leads the goals with 17. Bruno with 15. Harry Kane with 14. So not you much it's, there. Um, Something I, uh, There's a stat that Liverpool, uh, some of their writers or like analysts said. So Salah, he's leading in goals scored. He has only three shots inside of the six-yard box all year. Wow. And two of them, two of them were against Sheffield United. And one of them was against the Everton. So he didn't have a shot inside the six-yard box until last week. That's crazy. Uh, and I think it's just showing how 
difficult they are in terms of scoring right now. They're having to make magic instead of, you know, get those nice easy tap-ins. Uh, with the Champions League, we kind of just briefly talked about, uh, you know, somehow Chelsea pulled out an Atletico result here. Um, then that was that. 1-0 uh, for Chelsea. They don't play again until March 17th at Chelsea. Uh, City beat Gladbach uh, 2-0. Real Madrid beat uh, Atalanta. And Bayern Munich crushed Lazio 4-1. So... Still up in the air. Um, we'll see how Atletico comes back at Chelsea. I think City is probably moving on against Gladbach. At Atlanta versus Madrid, actually, the, the, the Atlanta, Atlanta has a shot, but Lazio is pretty much dead in the water right now. Yeah. I don't it's, I, I, I personally think any team, I think all the teams that won their first game, I, I feel pretty confident in their second uh, we had some. We had Tottenham move on against Wolfsburger eight to one. So now they will face. Uh, who is this here? This is uh, Dinamo Zagreb. And then you have Manchester United versus AC Milan. That's going to be really good. That yeah. starts March eleventh. <laughs> I think uh, out in the first game. The Slavia Prague is facing off against Rangers. Steven Jarge's Rangers. And Granada versus Molda on that side of the bracket. Then you have Ajax versus Young Boys. That's right. They're going to be playing a lot of young players there. Uh, <laughs> Dinamo Kiev versus Villarreal. Roma versus Shakhtar Donetsk. I feel like they've played each other in Champions League not that long ago. And Most Olympiacos likely. versus Arsenal, who I feel like play each other all the time as well in the Champions League. They do. I think I saw. I think... Uh... They've played five of the last seven years, I think someone yes, said on Reddit. all the time. Because <laughs> I, I pay attention to Arsenal because my dad's an Arsenal fan. And I remember watching them like get drawn in the group stages together. And I'm like, Olympiacos again? Jeez. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of fun, though, because I like the fact that teams like Granada and Molde and then like Rangers and Slavia Prague, they're going to one of those teams has to go through into the quarterfinals. So it's like yes. it, these are some like kind of out of the blue teams that you could end up seeing up against, you know, the Arsenals or the Shakhtars or the Romas or the Uniteds or Milans. It'd be kind of fun to see a team just kind of come out of the blue and maybe make a real run at it. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's a real chance for that in the Europa League. And last year was a really good Europa League, I feel like. You know, when we when we came back and we were watching, you know, mm-hmm. Europa League when we first started doing the podcast and everything, that was a that was a fun time. So, uh hopefully we get some good matchups that Milan uh Manchester United one's going to be really good, I think, and we'll see how it goes, but other than that, I'm pretty sure that's that's everything we needed to talk about. So if you want to tweet us, you can tweet us at Stoppage Show, Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show, email us stoppage time show at gmail.com or Instagram us stoppage time soccer show. And we will catch you all next probably next Monday and we'll break down the midweek and weekend matches. Kane has stolen it at the death! That's what he's there for! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. 
We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.